0: Hi, welcome to the Read, Play, Talk podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Lindsay Paris,
1: And I'm your other host, Jack Love.
0: This podcast is a resource for parents and caregivers as we educate on the importance of reading, playing, and talking with children every day. In this episode, we are talking with MISD Superintendent, Dr. Angel Rivera, about his new position and his hopes and plans for Mesquite ISD. Well, welcome to the podcast, Dr. Rivera.
2: Well, thank you for having me here.
0: This has been a long time coming. I think, Jack, every time we record an episode... We leave and you're like, we got to get Dr. Rivera on here.
1: Every time. So finally.
0: (laughs) I know. Your schedule, we were able to align. All the stars aligned and here you are.
2: Well, I'm glad to be here.
0: (laughs) Uh, Before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, family background, how you got to education in Mesquite?
2: Well, sure. I actually uh, was born and raised in Puerto Rico until probably second grade where my parents migrated to Boston, Massachusetts. And that's where I learned a little bit of the English that I know today, right? returned about four years later to Puerto Rico where I graduated from high school and uh, enlisted in the U.S. Army for seven years. And then once I completed two enlistments, I returned back to United States. I actually moved to Texas, to Houston, Texas, and I started going to U of H. And I finished my degree in pre-med. I was actually going to go to medical school, took the MCAT, decided to teach one year before going to medical school and never applied to medical school and ended up being a teacher and an educator. Wow.
0: I know, it's like such a journey. I don't
2: Yeah.
1: I don't think I remember you having told me that you you lived in Boston. I did. I still go often. That explains why you always use the word wicked. <laughs> explains a lot of things. Yeah. Explains
0: a lot. So you're in education and you've you've been in several districts. How long have you been in Mesquite and then how long have you been in your current role as superintendent?
2: Well, I've been a Mesquite. This is my fourth year Mesquite, and I've actually been superintendent for a month and two weeks.
0: There you go. Look at you. And a pro already.
2: Oh, I don't want to say a pro. (laughs) Uh, I think we, uh, I call it OJTing, right? On the job training, learning every day. And you encounter situations, they're different every day, but you just approach them with an open mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we always called that baptism by fire.
0: Right?
1: Mm-hmm. Like,
2: here you go.
0: Going to learn this way. And you have children. We're going to talk about them later in the episode, mm-hmm. but tell us how old they are.
2: Well, now I have a uh, 26-year-old today. So birthday. My oldest is Happy 26. Mm-hmm. That is Naya. And then I have a 21-year-old, Sean. He's actually going to UNTD. And then I have an 18-year-old, Angelina. She's going to UNT. And then I have Mia. This is 16. And I have Gael, which is 13. A good range. All right. So let's get to meat of some stuff. So you've only been in Mesquite
1: for four years, I think is what you said, right? Four years. Yeah. And then in your current role for a month and a half or whatever it is. So I know that you've only been here for a short time, but I know that when you got here, you like jumped into Mesquite, like with both feet. I mean, you immersed yourself in
2: the community. Why was that important to you? Well, you know, when I first hired, I was hired as being the chief of strategic initiatives and community engagement one of the longest titles I've ever had in, like in my the guy career. From S.H.I.E.L.D., right? And the, the community piece, you know, superintendent at the time, Dr. David Brulin, told me that you're going to be the community partnerships guy, and so go out there and immerse yourself in the community. We had a little joke, because people would come and tell him, hey, did you, oh, Angel did X, Y, and Z, he's involved in this, and he didn't even know that I was involved in those organizations. <laughs> so he would just tell me, hey, whatever you're doing, keep on doing it, because people are quickly getting to know you, and, You're contributing to the organization and to the community because one of the biggest, I think, reasons and just when it comes down to impact that someone can do is if you live in a community, if you work in a community, you have to be involved in that community. Agree. Yeah. You have to pour yourself, your family and your efforts into the community to make a difference. And a lot of times, I mean, I I didn't say no to almost anything that anybody and I find myself being involved in so many organizations and in, in the district and in the community, but that all came with a price as far as time, but with so many rewards. I always tell everyone that asks, why Mesquite? And I say, Mesquite feels like home. Since my first day coming to the replay talk board, the rotary, chamber, business retention and expansion, no matter, and bucks, no matter where I was, people took me in and said, let me show you around, let me show you Mesquite. And it was a family feel.
1: You weren't on your job very long when we met, and I left having met with you and gone, man, A, I like that dude, and B, I'm glad I came here quick because I'm worried about everybody else liking him and not being able to get the time that they're going to need for him as first, and I'm glad I did that. And you're right. You give freely of your time, and it's certainly appreciated.
2: You know, Lindsay Paris was one of my first hires. First yeah, we can best. talk about that later. First right? Best hire. <laughs> so was, That's know, the remember. bar was set pretty high <laughs> yeah. when we hired, and I think I met you in my second week on the job.
1: Yeah, it was pretty soon I remember yeah and I, and I think I'm fortunate enough and I hope not only can I call you, you know, somebody I work with but I think we're friends too. Yes sir. Uh, and and I rely and and bounce things off of you all the time too. So that's good to have around for sure. So now you've you've jumped in, you you've immersed in yourself and now you've been promoted to the big cheese, right? So how do you think your community involvement's
2: going to influence your new role? I think it's paramount. I think my previous roles in the community has set the foundation for the work that's to come, and and I will continue to be involved in the community. One of the challenges that I'm actually running into is a joke between uh, Dr. Rulin and myself because the time has exponentially gotten, the the window's gotten smaller, right? Um, I didn't know what what he did when he wasn't with me, but I'm quickly finding out there's only 24 hours in a day and the demands are high, not only local, but also, you know, going to Austin and and going to the Dallas area and being visible because you represent the organization and to make a difference and speak for the organization on behalf of the organization, you have to be at the table. So finding the time is one thing, but I'm trying to prioritize what are the important activities that I must be at and then just show up to those activities and continue to contribute regardless of the role I want to contribute to the community. And continue to do those things that I was doing before.
1: Yeah, and it's got to be tough, I imagine, because every you know everybody thinks what they've got is important, right? You know that heavy weight of deciding what's important to you, while they're all important, what's most important it's got to be pretty tough to deal with. Well, you have to
2: be able to discern, and, and, and yeah. this is another shift. It's kind of what's important to me really doesn't matter. I always trying to think about. What's important for the organization? Where can you make a biggest impact, yeah. right? And so you think organizationally as for Mesquite ISD was the best investment of my time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and you're doing it now in Mesquite ISD, kind of what you did when you first came into your initial role in the district is like, when you're in the community, you went to all these different clubs, organizations, um, met people, heard their opinions, you know, saw the community from their perspective. And now you're doing that with the district, like going to the different campuses, going to different departments. And I think when you're able to do that, when you make decisions, you're able to see the issue maybe from multiple sides because you've spoken with the people who will be affected by those yeah. decisions. Well,
2: Actually, I'm out of the 51 campuses and the tour, I'm in 21. So today I'll go to another campus in the afternoon. You said it, Lindsay, it's about giving people access, letting them hear directly from me, and providing opportunities for them to ask me questions. Every campus that I've been at, people have asked me questions and those questions help me guide my actions because it tells me what are they not getting? What are they not understanding? Or what are we not meeting as an organization when it comes to employees? Yeah. I know from a leadership role, sometimes that that's the hardest thing, right?
1: Sometimes people are worried about giving you feedback or worried about how that feedback is going to be taken or, or whatever the case may be. You know, it, it, And you always tell people, I'm coming in with an open mind, you know, be honest with me. But if that's hard for people. So if anybody's listening, be honest with Dr. Rivera. I know he'll take it to heart. And,
0: yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think when any new leadership comes, everyone is kind of panicked, like, what's this leader going to do? What's he going to bring? What initiatives? But you've said, you know, from the beginning with this role that you really want to continue the work that's going on in Mesquite without bringing new programs, new initiatives, or really continue what we already have going on. Can you explain why that's a main focus of yours? In Absolutely. This so
2: if you think about my trajectory here at Mesquite, I've been in Mesquite now my fourth year. So the current initiatives we call our strategic roadmap, I've worked on probably five out of the seven. But also the board of trustees actually passed a strategic roadmap for a three-year plan. And I think we need to hold true to that for a lot of reasons. Coming out of COVID, mm-hmm. I like to tell people that I'm looking at, COVID through the rear view mirror. And hopefully that's a true statement. But coming out of COVID, we've discovered the organization has so many needs coming out. And the last thing that we need is a leader that can come in and just do a 180 and add things to the plates, add tasks. We need to focus on our people. We actually, what I'm going around telling the campuses is we needed to really dig in deep to our four core values. And the first one is people first. I believe that if we treat our people and we address our people needs, they'll better serve our students. And ultimately, it'll improve Mesquite ISD overall.
0: I know that's really comforting to people. I know when you were named as superintendent in that board meeting, my phone was blowing up because people knew that I worked for you in your first role. And they're like, are we happy about this? And I'm like, we are so happy about this. This is such a good move for Mesquite. He's going to be fantastic. And I'm glad that you're emphasizing that core value when you go to speak to campuses, because knowing you personally, I believe that about you, that like you do love people and love the people that you work with and work for you and are really making decisions that are in their best interest and and will benefit them in the long run. Well,
2: if you think about it, Lindsay, you know, we talk about our business, education. We We are a people business, investing in people producing people. Mm-hmm. And so it's all people. The relationships that we develop, I think is, is our biggest asset. And so if, if we don't take care of our staff, if we don't pour into our community, then how can we teach our kids?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great point.
2: Yeah. So I know,
1: and I think Lindsay knows, I think we all know that you see value in, in the replay talk arena, thankfully. And I know that because we've worked together, but can you tell our four listeners
0: there are more than four, Jack
1: Love. <laughs> I like the joke with Lindsay. Can you tell our listeners why it's so important? Why is this initiative especially important for Mesquite?
2: Well, absolutely. What we know, our community, there's a lot of disparity in our community and it's a lot of things. A child of poverty myself, like people look at me now and say, oh, well, it's easy for you to say it. You make a good salary. That was not always the case. You know, my parents are not educated. You know, my mother went to seventh grade. That was it. And then my dad went to sixth grade. But what they did do, is they read, played, and talked with us, and we developed cognitively. My sister and I both have degrees. I just just never stopped. That's a joke in my family. You just never stop going to school, and that's a good thing. But as I look back, if you are to break the cycle of poverty or just improve your conditions, because it's not about just poverty, right? It's about improving. And every parent that I talk to always says, I want my children to have it better than what I had it. And I think replay talk is the key. I think that pre-literacy development, those skills that you learn early in life before you get to school, and that's the key, before you get to school, will help you be successful and be in in an equal playing field with everybody else. You know, I have a joke that when I was going to school in college, you know, I was already married with kids, but the other kids were, you know, they were talking about where they summer. You know, where do you, I summer in Paris, I summer in Greece, and I was summering at a part-time job because... (laughs) And it was those conversations that didn't resonate with me. You know, when affluent children go on vacation, they, they go to France and go to the Louvre and, and have these rich experiences that working class families can't have. And we are a working class family in Mesquite. And I'm proud of that, that we are a working class family because there's a lot of, a lot of uh, pride that comes with that. But replay talk is the single most important thing parents can do with their children before they come to school.
1: Yeah, and I think the statistics show that, right? I mean, when you look at all the numbers, and, and I don't want to get into the numbers, but it's mind-boggling how successful children are when they're read to, played with, yeah. and talked to on a daily basis prior to getting school. I mean, it's it's shocking.
0: We talk about this often. Like, we still have a long way to go to reach even more families here in Mesquite. But I, I do think we're seeing improvements and changes, and especially in school readiness with our kindergartners coming in ready to read but we still have kindergartners who can't spell their name on the first day of school. So, I mean, there's still work to be done. We talk a lot with Replay Talk about how this benefits the child, and it does. I mean, it sets them up for success, but when parents, caregivers, grandparents, whoever, when they do this at home, it allows our teachers to do their jobs more effectively as well, right? Because they're able to teach at their grade level and, you know, not have such a wide gap. And so that that's another area we try to stress is like, it takes some pressure off of teachers a little bit. And that's why we push the Lena Start program so much, too, just um, teaching parents how to best engage with their children.
2: Absolutely. Even the prerequisite skills, and when they get to school, they can jump right in
0: Mm -hmm.
2: and actually start on grade level with their learning.
0: Yeah. You mentioned this a little bit when you were answering your last question, but um, your kids aren't little anymore, but at one point they were. And uh, for a while you were a single parent. You were continuing to go to school, you know, seeking after promotions, and I know that was hard, you know, to do that on your own with your kids, but I I want you to talk about this particular subject because I think a lot of our parents, and Mesquite can resonate with that, other single parents who are working and feel like, I just, I don't have the time, I don't have the energy to really invest in my kids. So can you talk about your experience during that time in your life and how you maintained engaging with your kids, working and parenting?
2: Absolutely. Back in the days when I was a single parent, right, I had three kids, and right before I uh, married my current wife, Vanessa, and I had custody of my kids. So I worked a full-time job, going to school, trying to manage that. But just a simple task that you take care of. For example, I I will take my kids to the grocery store and we would talk through what we're shopping for and, and kind of just have constant conversations with them because I didn't have additional time, right? And then we got home, and if I was cooking, they sat on a counter, and then you just talk, talk to ingredients, talk talk to steps of cooking, basic conversations. Of course, when you put them in bed, you read books like most of the parents actually do to their kids, but we have probing questions. You know, you're trying to guess what's going to happen next, and even even if they weren't talking, they will get excited, and you will get a, some kind of reaction out of them, but that interaction with them was so important. And then when we played, right, when we played, we played games, we went around the park, I try to do as much as possible to ensure that I was still interacting with them in spite of my other responsibilities to, um, you know, go to school and and, and have a job and, and put food on the table. You have to be intentional about the time that you're spending with your kids. Before you look at it, they're all grown up and you're sending them to school, and you have to do this before they get to school.
0: Yeah, you're capitalizing on moments that you are going to be doing anyway, which is what we try to communicate to parents. Like, you're already going to the grocery store. You're already cooking dinner. You're already driving in the car. What can we do during those moments to engage with our kids? Yeah,
1: and I know we've talked about it a lot. I think oftentimes because it's first, we always say read, and people get stuck on Mm -hmm. read. They honestly forget about the play and the talk part, Mm -hmm. which are— as vitally important, if not more so, than the reading part. It
2: right? is. There's some research about brain development about motions, playing, and talking. There's research for reading, right? But if we're not going to get technical, if we go to play and talk, there's a lot of research out there about you know brain development and that sort of thing that can help you. And so people are like, well, I'm not an educator; I can't teach my kid. You are actually their first educator. You're their first teacher in life. So it is important. Yeah.
0: That's the very first thing we tell our parents who do Lena start. We tell them, you are your child's first and most important teacher. And that's not to scare them or intimidate them, but more to empower them that they are fully equipped to set their child up for success.
1: Yeah. Looking back on it with my two, I, I didn't realize what I was equipped with. Like, I'm going to have brilliant grandchildren. You're my, ready for them. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready for them now. But, but it's true. Like, I, I mean, I talk about it all the time. Like, if I'd have just known... And we're in such a time now where it's so much easier to let people know.
0: Yes. I think that's the main issue. I think I I believe that parents want the best for their kids. They want to set them up for success, but they don't know how. Yeah. And I love the work that we get to do, just communicating that it's simple. We're not asking for you to explain like rocket science to your kid or anything like that, but just really simple practices and enhancing these routines that you're already doing every day.
1: Yeah, and I think mixing it up too sometimes. Like you talked about reading every night when you go to bed. Well, maybe sometimes you read in, in the afternoon and then maybe just talk at night, mm-hmm. you know, or you do play a quick game of whatever it is before you go to bed. I mean, there's times that you can do those things. I mean, we're in a great time. And super glad that we have Dr. Rivera as I'm our thrilled. leader in the, in the trenches. You've lived a servant life your whole life, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you know, you were in the Army, not easy. Uh, by the way, I think he left out the fact that he's a, a ranger. Right. An Army Ranger. I yeah, I did. That, uh, uh, Airborne Ranger. Jumped out a few airplanes in my life. Yeah. I mean, that's... Minor th- detail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's difficult to achieve. So your success in all the things that you do. And so we know that you're going to be a success here. So thank you for being with us today.
2: Well, thank you for the invitation. Yeah. And know that Replay Talk will continue to be important for this district for the years to come.
0: Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode with our guest, Dr. Angel Rivera. If you haven't done so already, please hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. We would love it if you would share this episode with friends and other families in our community that could benefit from this information. We encourage you to follow us on all of our social media platforms for ideas on how to read, play, and talk together at home. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ReplayTalk and on Twitter at ReplayTalkTX.